1: was Gerald McCoy wrong to say the Bucks disrespected him by not taking his number 93 out of circulation when he signed with Carolina? No less than Warren Sapp thinks that was a bad take by McCoy, and he said so. The Rays lose to the Padres 7-2 to finish their road trip 5-1, but they also have lost another player to the I.L. And the Tampa Bay Lightning made a trade. They dealt Adam Ernie to Detroit and Steve Eiserman for a fourth-round pick. We've got all that on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, it's uh, still really hot out there. That means you're using your air conditioning, and that means your electric bills are going up and up. Mine were over $300. That's just too much. Look, if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. They're a locally-owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor, they have a full showroom that's open weekdays. You can see their products. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. Now, there's many other solar companies imitating them and trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract in any other way for any company. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. Let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 Two eight six two, And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 just by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve, so let's start with the Bucks, and, and this one is not so much about what's going on uh, as they approach their second preseason game against Miami Friday night. We'll certainly get into that uh, tonight and over the next couple days. Um, but I wanted to talk about something that uh, sort of came to a head over the last few days. Of course, we remember, you know, Ronnie Barber had his press conference because he's going to be inducted into the Bucks Ring of Honor. That's going to be week three against the New York Giants. Of course, his brother Tiki Barber played for the Giants, and he's calling the game for Fox. And so that brought out a lot of players that were in town for that event. It was an alumni weekend. Among those players was Warren Sapp. I told you the other day, I'd gone on his podcast. Um, and, and, you know, as Warren is prone to do when he's around, he likes, he likes to pontificate about things, <laughs> a lot of things. And, uh, and I spent some time on his podcast with him. And then I talked to him, um, you know, just, just last night on, uh, this would have been Wednesday night. And the subject, you know, came up it, about Gerald McCoy. And here's the thing is that, you know, SAP has always been a big supporter and still remains a supporter of Gerald McCoy. And, You know, their sort of friendship almost was born out of the fact that what Gerald was attempting to do, which is in effect play the position of a first ballot Hall of Fame player, um, was was unfair to him and almost impossible, right, to navigate. And he was a third overall pick, 2010, and SAP befriended him pretty early on. You know, because I think SAP understood what, what what big shoes there were for him to fill. And to be honest with you, you know, look, Gerald can stand on his own credentials. He made six Pro Bowls. You know, he played nine seasons here. Unfortunately for him, only two of those were winning seasons, and one of that was his rookie year when they went 10-6, and and he didn't get to play much because he had an injury to his bicep. In fact, he was injured the first two years. So you take those away out of the nine years he made six Pro Bowls and still ranks as the third, you know, leading sacker in this franchise's history. He's got 54-and-a-half career sacks. Look, we know it ended badly. Um, these things normally do when you have a player, uh, you know, whether it's Sapp or Lynch or Brooks and those guys. You know, when they moved on, it wasn't always, you know, under the best of circumstances. And so so was the case with Joe McCoy, which we have documented on this podcast and other places. And, I, and I've talked to him about it. I've written about it, obviously. And then after he signed with Carolina, we followed, you know, sort of his free agency pursuit. He talked to Cleveland and Baltimore. You know, we even said that I think part of the motivation for him to sign with Carolina um, was because they play in the NFC South. Now, look, it's close to, closer to home, the closest of those three cities to home. He's certainly familiar with the NFC South, and Ron Rivera is familiar with him. So there was a, a mutual attraction, and money plays a factor as well. But nonetheless, when he did sign with them, um, you know, he had some things to say not long after that. In fact, in June... No, I think it was July actually, a couple of months ago. He went on Fox Sports and he went on the show, The Undisputed, the one that's on uh, Fox Sports One. And you know, he talked about the whole situation because at that time, the Bucks had signed Damakang Sue and they decided to give away Gerald's number ninety-three to Sue, who you know also signed a one-year deal, much like McCoy did in Carolina. Now, you know, Sue is a is a different player. He's got a big resume. It's very similar to McCoy's. Uh, he was taking one pick ahead of him, in fact, uh, you know, by Detroit in that same draft. So the Bucks were kind of in a weird position. Obviously, Sue, who had worn number 93 through most of his pro career, wanted to wear it, and so they gave it to him. But that that sort of broke with the Bucks' own protocol in a way because, you know, if you look at their history... Uh, you know, typically when a, when a player has achieved five or more Pro Bowls, let's just say, they don't give that number away the very next year. I mean that that that's the outlier, right? I mean it happens, but you know for the most part. And there there are numbers, of course, they haven't given out and probably won't give out. Some of those are retired, like Warren Saps, like Derek Brooks. Um, I don't think you'll ever see anybody wearing forty-seven again. I don't think you'll. I you know no, you won't see anybody wearing number forty. So there, there's a number of of jersey numbers that, that just won't be distributed, and so, you know, Gerald was among other things that happened during the free agency period, um, in the period where he was eventually cut. You know, he he was uh, he was he felt disrespected by that, and he said so. He said that uh, I'm one of the best players to ever play in the organization. I'm going to say it. Usually I wouldn't, but I'm going to say it. It kind of shows the respect and how they feel about me. It may seem like it's just a number, but it's bigger than that. It's respect. That was a big part of the separation between me and Tampa, period, was the respect they showed me all offseason. It just wasn't there. And one of the things that McCoy went on to say was like, look, you know, they didn't hand out the numbers of some of the, some of the legends like Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Rondi Barber and Leroy Selman. He named a lot of these guys in the Ring of Honor. Some of those, three of those at least, that are in the Hall of Fame. Four, if you include, you know, Tony Dungy didn't wear a number. So when he says this, you know, obviously it, it sounds as if he's sort of calling himself then a legendary type player, which I don't think he actually said. But the implication is that hey, you know, they didn't give away those numbers. Why are they giving away mine? So the whole, the whole big thing was the lack of respect. Well, it, it's taken several months, but Sapp decided that he's going to weigh in, and he did. And basically, he called out McCoy, and he did it in in, in a big way—the way the way you would expect Warren Sapp to do it. He didn't did mince words with me when I talked to him, and he's talked to others as well. But he said, um, "Look, uh, they paid you all that money, and you think somebody owed you something? No. You you got nothing but first ballot Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers up there on that stadium, and that's what you get measured by. You get measured by playoff wins. How many playoffs did you win?" He was never in a playoff game. We were in nine. We won championships. You got players up there who were defensive player of the year. That's what me and Brooks did. And Lynch was in two ring of honors. Come on. What are you talking about? You deserve something like you deserve something like this? Bad call, young fella. I can't hold back on this. You can't put it up against those badasses if you have no sh- ships in the game. Championships, he means. Um, you know, he went on to say that uh, – you know, look, my line's always open to McCoy, but now when you say you should have had your jersey put up and nobody wear it, what the hell's going on here? Okay, so look, uh, th- those are pretty critical comments. I did uh, text with Joe McCoy, who decided I'm going to take the high road. He said, look, you know, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And then he later tweeted, everybody wants me to respond. I'm just going to say, God bless God bless you all, or something like that. Gerald's not going to go there. Um in a way they're they both have they both have salient points you know sap makes it more bluntly quite frankly i mean his thing is that you know last time i checked all those guys you're talking about they won something you mm-hmm. know and they did they they were in playoffs and you know of, of much that is given much that is is expected and and i think it's a team sport and I also think that, you know, when McCoy came here, he really had no one around him, although neither did Sapp and Brooks. They were sort of the two, and then Lynch was here as well, that sort of led the Bucks out of the darkness. Then they added guys like Allstott and Ronnie Barber. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, Sapp played for Tony Dungy. He started with Sam White, then he played for Tony Dungy and, and John Gruden. You know, Gerald McCoy, for better or worse, you know, started with, I think Raheem Morris, you know, and then went to Greg Schiano, and then to Lovey Smith, you know, and then to Dirk Cutter, and, and so, you know, those those coaches are not going to end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they're probably not going to win a Super Bowl necessarily. Um, Lovey Smith went to one, but he didn't win one, so it's a little different. And you know, you can't find a guy with a gold jacket that played with with Gerald McCoy. You just you're not going to find that guy, but Again, he was paid over $110 million, and that's sort of what SAP is saying, that, look, you know, if you're going to name all those players that had their numbers retired, well, all those guys were, you know, either in the Pro Football Hall of Fame or they're nominated to the Pro Football Hall of Fame or they're, you know, guys that were on championship teams, et cetera. And for the most part, SAP is exactly right. So where do I fall? I mean, I... (laughs) I see both sides of this. I don't think that necessarily that Gerald McCoy was saying I'm as good as those other players. Um what is true is that the Bucks broke their own precedent if you really if you really drill down deep on this, and that is that, you know, there were other players whose numbers they didn't give away right away. Hardy Nickerson, right? Mm-hmm. Um guys like Warwick Dunn. Anyone that has made, in fact, if you find if you if you just find the number of players who made at least five Pro Bowls, okay, for the Bucks while playing here, their numbers were never given out the the, the year after they left. They mm-hmm. just weren't. So they kind of broke with their own protocol. Now, what the Bucks will tell you is, well, wait a minute. You know, we didn't just give it to anybody. Yeah, I was going to say they gave a, it to a pretty yeah. good player who's worn that through most of his career. Yeah we gave it to a guy who's worn it most of his career and quite frankly his resume is as good if not better than Gerald McCoy's in the sense that he has been to a couple playoff teams um and just went bowl. to a super bowl with the rams so you know um you know you this this is sort of the exception to the rule that they made and look he decided to sign here as a free agent maybe that was one of the smaller concessions they were willing to make um, but however it happened, it happened. Okay. So Gerald, and the other thing I know about Gerald is, is that, you know, people can hone in on the number thing. What Gerald was saying, I believe, cause I, I talked to him throughout this entire process. What he was saying was, is that giving away the number was just emblematic of the disrespect I felt throughout the process. You know what I mean? Like it's an example of sort of, well, this is sort of how they've dealt with me, you know? I mean, he was quick to say that he really never had any conversations uh, beyond just the chance meeting with Bruce when he got the job in In the weight room. He was there and, and said hello to him. Um, he had one phone call, I think, with Todd Bowles early on. But no one ever called him, least of all the general manager. And everything was kind of dealt through his agent. And he just mm-hmm. felt like, you know. I give nine years to an organization. You can't call me in face to face and we can't talk about
0: this. Well not only that, you but know? they didn't cut him till after the draft and so that's correct. That limits his options of where he can sign because a lot of teams have already filled their holes and needs. It didn't happen at the beginning of the NFL season or the Pre- calendar year in March. Period. Yeah. Right. And so that, All that that leads to the disrespect he felt. That's right. And they they,
1: they limited, you know, his ability to find a number of teams because Frank quite frankly. There were about, according to his agent, about 9 to 11 teams that were interested. The problem is very few of them had enough salary cap room, you know, and had this occurred in March, to your point, you know, he'd have had a much better uh, opportunity. The Bucks felt like they had a commodity in Sa- in uh, McCoy. They tried to trade him. That's why they didn't get released him right away. They also wanted to see who they could replace him with. And it was no coincidence that the Ndamukong Sue deal was all but signed, sealed, and maybe or maybe not completely signed but but almost um consummated when they finally let Gerald go. I mean they had the person they were going to replace him with before that happened. You can't blame the Bucks for that either. So it it happened the way it happened, you know, and and like I said, Gerald is not going to be at this point. He's like, "Look, I've moved on." You know, he's a Carolina Panther. He he really doesn't tries to, you know, forget about that chapter of his life. It's always he said it before, he's always going to be a buccaneer. Um, as far as I know, you know, he still makes his home here. And, uh, I, you know, I know he's living in Carolina right now, but, you know, he has great attachments to this community. And there's a lot of things to like about Gerald McCoy and his career and what he represents. You know, in some ways it's unfortunate that, you know, that 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 Sepp kind of took him out, but he was asked. And the one thing about Warren is, that, you know, when you ask him something, he's going to tell you what he feels. And so this has sort of been – the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so that's been going on on and around the Bucks. All right, so now back on the field, the Bucks had their last workout with the Miami Dolphins on Wednesday. Of course, they'll have a walkthrough today, both teams, and then they'll play on Friday. So no practice together today, um, but they will prepare uh, for their game, second preseason game Friday at Raymond James Stadium, first preseason home opener, of course, for the Bucks. Some uh, highlights of the day. Uh, Chris Godwin is uh, just continues to make phenomenal plays out there. He made one catch. I don't know if you have a chance to see it. I think it's been all over Twitter. Um, sort of a one-handed grab in the back of the end zone. Uh, this guy's ability to you know to contort his body is is almost almost rivals Mike Evans in that sense. He's not as tall, obviously, um, but he's been he's been great. Mike Evans also had a nice connection with Jameis. You know, it was one of those things where um, they were outdoors, and then they went inside, then they came outside, <laughs> they went back inside. I mean, literally, this this rain has been crazy because you, you think in the morning they'd have a better chance, and then the, the wind patterns change, and the showers were coming in the morning instead of late afternoon. So, it's been the damnedest training camp I've ever seen. Where like seventy-five to eighty percent of it have has been t- has taken place in the indoor facility, which of course we all know didn't even exist three years ago. So. I'm telling you, if it rains, Steve, the first day against the 49ers, the Bucks won't know what to do. They will have never, they will have never played in the rain um, the entire training camp. Uh, but it was uh, it was a good day. You know, I, I watched Jameis Winston, and he had about, in the indoor, he had about four interceptions. He had one outside, which wasn't a particularly good throw. The other ones were miscommunications. They were plays that Bruce Arians said that they had just sort of put in um, with the tight end O.J. Howard and kind of went the wrong way. Um, but there were a couple throws I'm sure Jameis wished he had back overall
0: hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th Do you want to tell people the big news
1: You know, Arians is really happy with where he's at. He thinks he's really starting to master the offense. Um, you know, we saw the drive they had in the first game at Pittsburgh. He'd like to see him, you know, continue to do more of that. I don't think offensively is where they're going to struggle. Uh, Ronald Jones still looks good. They're running the ball really well with him and uh, Peyton Barber. I think defensively is, you know, where they where they need to get some guys back. I mean, they need Levante David. They need. Vita Veya. They haven't ruled those guys out for the first week. I think Veya is probably more unlikely than Levante is. But, you know, he'd like to see some of those young guys sort of step it up. Um, you know, and he said he said to us today that he belie- – or yesterday that he believes he could cut the roster down to 60 right now. So what that means is, you know, there's only 61 spots if you include the practice squad, you know, 53 players and then eight – practice squad players. So they're really battling for the last five, six, seven roster spots right now and these preseason games are what gonna tell the tell. Don't expect those guys to play a whole lot more than they did in the first game. In fact, you know, when they have these joint practices, it's almost like you don't need preseason. I think that's where the NFL's going, Steve, is that these joint practices are better than preseason games for coaches because the game is sort of the game. It kind of flows and you can't control, like for example, do you get a two-minute drill at the end of a half? Do you get a goal-line red-zone situation? You know, do you get a coming-out situation where you're pinned inside your your, your ten-yard line? And you can simulate all those situations with different players too. You know, you can substitute, you can run some of your rookies out there or your first team or whatever you want to do. Um, so from that standpoint, I think this is good work. You know, for both teams to actually sort of enjoy it without without a significant risk of injury. I mean, it's not to say guys can't get hurt because they are hitting each other, but they're not tackling to the ground. So it was good work. Um, you know, Miami is not a very good football team. We know that. they got problems on the offensive line. they got two rookie guards. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick is battling with Josh Rosen right now uh, for the quarterback position. They've got a couple receivers, one defensive back, but overall not a great team. And to be honest with you, I thought the Bucks' offense sort of dominated – uh, at times they dominated Miami, at times they didn't, but then defensively, you know, I mean, they the Bucks just did okay, and you would expect them to do better against Miami. Now, again, no one's game planning. These are scripted practices, so you're talking about a lot of one-on-one stuff. So we'll see how they do in the game. I mean, sometimes, you know, we saw this a couple years ago, if you remember the Hard Knocks episode, where they got after Jacksonville pretty good, and then... They indeed, uh, I think they did beat Jacksonville in the preseason game. And they were even, you know, Chris Baker and others were making fun of the Jaguars' fans because he's like, your team's sorry. They always, they always win four or five games. Well, Jacksonville that year went within one quarter of the Super Bowl and lost to New England. Uh, and then the Bucks we know went, what, 5-11. and 11. So anything can happen. I, I don't think the Dolphins are going to have the kind of year Jacksonville did. But it's been interesting to, uh, to sort of watch those teams go at it this week. A little bit of uh, housekeeping, the Bucks made a move on the roster. They signed a receiver, Emmanuel Hall, who is from the University of Missouri. Had a lot of touchdowns. I think he had, I don't know, 12 or 15 touchdowns the last two years. He was a second-team All-SEC player. Big receiver. He had been let go, I think, by the Bears. They cut Abernathy, the kid that they just signed, the safety, uh, who was uh, released by the Minnesota Vikings. So he was only here a couple days. And I asked what that meant. Like, is that because they expect to get a safety back, you know, that's been on PUP, say, a Justin Evans or something like that? No, 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 that's not the reason. And they don't have more receivers hurt outside of, you know, Scotty Miller and guys they'd like to see get back. It's just basically they really like Emmanuel Hall. Emmanuel Hall is a big guy. Uh, he's very fast. And so it's a chance to look at him for a couple of weeks. Receiver is one of those positions where I think you could name, obviously you can name the top four. Obviously Mike Evans – Chris Godwin, Justin Watson, and Breshard Perriman. Those those are your top four. And then after that, it's kind of a battle between Scotty Miller, who has not been on the field because he's got a hamstring issue, which is a problem, and and sort of all of the arrests, sort of sort of mixed in there. Um, so this is a guy that you know. I imagine if he can uh, force his way on the special teams, do something in the final two or three preseason games, maybe he'll have a chance to make a roster. But but receiver is one of those positions that's that's pretty well pretty well stacked but you also have remember you got the practice squad and things like that as well so that's the move they made on the roster today so they have one more walk through and then they got the game Friday night at Raymond James Stadium preseason home opener and I wouldn't look for it get there early chances are that you won't see much more of guys like Jameis Winston and Mike Evans than you saw in the first game maybe a drive maybe it you know depending on how it goes obviously if they have 12 play drive for a touchdown that would be it Maybe you'll see two series or so, but that, that's that's really it. In fact, they think the work against Miami lessens the ability or the reason to play those guys, and with injuries, we can certainly understand why. Speaking of injuries, it never stops with the Tampa Bay Rays, Steve. they got another guy that's going to go on the IL. This time it's Evesil Garcia. Now, I guess he felt a little bit of an oblique strain. He came out of the game in the fifth inning, but they have sort of their fingers crossed. They, they feel like that maybe he caught it, a little early,
0: and so it won't be more than just the minimum of 10 days. That's what you hope. And, and, you know, now they're starting to, you know, Mike Brasso was taking outfield practice before Wednesday's game in San Diego. um, as They're kind of running out of outfielders right now. Um, You've got Mm -hmm. Meadows. You've got Pham, who's got a hurt hand, although, you know, he in his first at-bat took a pitch and launched it to left field. Off the uh, Western Metal Supply Company building there in San Diego. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's missed some time uh kiermaier got banged up a little bit when he hit the wall the other night although i think he's fine uh then you got Heradia, but after that you're you're kind of out of outfielders other than you know taking some of your infielders to move them out there so and
1: and yeah. they don't have any this?
0: they don't have any outfielders on the 40 man in triple a or double a so they really have no one else to call up from the outfield either which is why guys it? like brasso and that will get some time in the outfield if they need how about this for a list? So they've,
1: they've got now 23 different Rays players have been on the injuries list this season, and it's the 28th time that they've had to use it. So as Mark Tompkin reports, um, here are the ones that are missing or that, that have you know have been on it anywhere from Alvarado to Mike Zanino, A to Z, as Mark wrote. Um, you have guys like Kevin Kiermaier, Blake Snell, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau, Matt Duffy, Tyler Glasnow, Yandy Diaz, mm-hmm. Yanni Chirinos, Joey Wendell, Diego Castillo, and now Garcia, that's the whole damn team.
0: There's only three players that have been on the active roster for every game this season. That's hard to believe. There's I know we went through three guys on the roster. Do you, can you Go name Go ahead them? and tell us. Well, I, I did early. Okay, so Tommy Pham is one, although I remember him being hurt as much as anybody. He's been hurt several times but never gone on the DL, so he's been on the active roster for every game. Charlie Morton is uh, one of them. Correct. And then the final one is the shortstop. Right. Willie Adamas, that's correct. Willie Adamas has not gone on. Those are the only three players that have been on the active roster for the Rays all season long.
1: I believe Heredia
0: yeah. has not been on the, the I. L, but he went down to the minors for a, a short stint. Up and down. Yeah. Right. Uh to make some roster space room. So
1: Look, I mean the Yankees lost, you know, they had a ton of guys on the I L early and bigger names obviously, you know, guys like Aaron Judge and, and, mm-hmm. and Sanchez and the like. Um but they got those guys back and now they you know for all the, as well as the Rays have been playing they can't gain
0: any ground at all on the Yankees. Well as thank far goodness as that the goes. Yankees are done with the Orioles. Um in 19 games they went 17 and 2. They scored 161 runs I think in the 19 games. Mm. And had what was it 61 home runs in That's 19 just games. Incredible. Uh, the most wins against the team for the Yankees since the fifties, when they went seventeen and five against the Kansas City A's. Mm. But the Yankees are done with the Orioles. Beating, you know, that's seventeen and two. That's fifteen games above five hundred for the Yankees. Which uh, let me do a quick look at the standings here. They are forty games above five hundred. So really, only twenty five games above five hundred against anybody else. Look, if you if you take the
1: Yankees and the Rays and what what they've both had to endure, the fact that they're where they 're at is pretty remarkable, um obviously the Rays you know were outspent and everything else going into it, but again i I still give Kevin Cash and those guys a ton of credit, twenty games over five hundred with that many injuries on a ball club that you know you just can 't go out and fill with free agents it's It's pretty darn good, so yeah. you know they had a good road trip they're five and one, although did you notice, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast that you know the other day there was great urgency to to try to remove a guy who had eight and two-thirds of shutout innings um, in Ryan Yarbrough, but by the same, same stance, you know, they had Jalen Beeks in there, and he actually hit for himself in the fifth inning when you knew he was pretty much done. Just to put him back out there, he gives up a home run and a single. I don't know if he finished that inning, but he, he was done after that. But their bullpen was taxed, so they were sort of saying, look, we got a day off today. Um, let's let's not over overwork these guys. And maybe they were just trying
0: to stretch Beaks out, you know, for the future. I wonder if f- I wonder if it wasn't look, it didn't look like they had a lot on offense. They've no. won five in a row. It's the end of a West Coast road trip, which is hard. Yeah. That it, it's let's see what Beaks is made of. Okay, he, he's given up four, but let's see what he can do when he goes back out there because they gotta know going down the stretch what they have out of him. That could be.
1: But by the same token, it's you know if the mentality is let's win every game, mm-hmm. you know the fact is there are some games where you you want to win but you can't you well, can't do it at the expense of of, of then losing right. the next two or three.
0: Well, and if they had a full available a bullpen in. too, maybe they, they wouldn't have done that too. But I, you know, exactly. so it all factors into there. I, I don't know what their thinking was, and, and maybe I'm way off base on this. But at some point, you got to see you know how how much can you rely on Beaks going down the stretch and you know, hopefully into the playoffs as well. He was really good. He was
1: cruising. And then Brian Anderson said something about how he was throwing all these strikes. And then I swear to God, he couldn't throw a strike. <laughs> they were like, literally, he said,
0: no, no I'm not kidding. But, he, know, had, he, he, had he got the first five outs and then all of a sudden he walked two.
1: Yeah. He had four, he had a four pitch inning going and he had two outs. And then all of a sudden, I'm not. go back and listen, Brian mm-hmm. Anderson says, it's amazing how efficient he's been. Everything he's thrown is for strikes. He then proceeded to walk the next two guys, and then I think the next guy singled. I mean, it was like everything. The wheels came off. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't say that anymore. Like, you just completely put the the, the jinx on the dude. But he just fell apart. So, yeah, in in as much as he was able to work through that, come back out there, get out of that inning. um, But, you know, you could see the offense really wasn't doing much, and that's kind of why I thought, you know, with one out in the fifth inning, maybe you should pinch hit here because he's not going to go much deeper. And he Mm -hmm. didn't. In fact, he gave up a home run and a single, and then I don't know if he got out of that inning or not, but he was done um, pretty much at that point. So, you know, it is what it is. But it was a good road trip, 20 yeah. games over five they they'll take that. Jose
0: De Leon made his first uh, appearance since May of 2017. Looked good the first inning, then uh, struggled a little bit in the second inning. Yeah. But it's nice good to, to see expected. him back. And, and, you know, he was called up oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago uh, but didn't get into a game. He was up on the roster, but – and send back down. So his first big league appearance in over two years, which is good to get him back from Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and we, we talked about the Yankees too. And granted, you're 10 games back from the Yankees. I don't know if you have a shot to catch them. But over the next 10 games, the Yankees have four against the Indians, three in Oakland, and three in L.A. Those are playoff teams or the A's are just outside the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. where the Rays the next 10 games have three against the Tigers at home, three against the Mariners at home, and four in Baltimore. Those are you know, the, Tigers, the Tigers and Orioles are the worst teams in baseball, and the Mariners aren't much better. So you've got a shot over the next 10 games to make up some ground on the Yankees. Yeah, they're still in that stretch where they're playing teams with under mm-hmm. 500 records. Yeah. But the so, Yankees now, instead of playing the Orioles every other day, they're, yeah. they're playing teams with winning records.
1: Hey, man, you never say never. Right, mm-hmm. you just keep trying to put together series and wins, and and uh, at the end of the year they'll tell you where they're at. But again, a good road trip going out west, a lot of miles involved there. Uh, you know, winning five in a row, of course they break that streak, and um, you know they come home now. Well, let's see what they can do at the trap, where they're only three games over five hundred. I mean, the trap is when they they've struggled. Mm-hmm. They haven't
0: struggled on the road. They're like you know sixteen, seventeen yeah. over. Now it does help when road. you win eight and one in Boston too to help on that road, oh, ro- sure. road record. But sure. yes, no, they've been phenomenal on the road. And just, you know, it's fun, Andy and Dave were talking about on the broadcast today that, you know, the Rays are uh, going into today, we're 18 games above 500 on the road and only three games above 500 at home. You would expect that mm-hmm. to be reversed for a team. And that's a team you'd say, exactly they're a good team to make the playoffs. You want to be just above 500 on the road, and then you want to take three or four at home. Right. And that, that's how you want your record to be. Well, the Rays have it reversed. For whatever reason, it, it's bizarre, and it's not the way you would think of it, so... Yeah. So so maybe it would be better if they get the second wild card and go on the road. They'll go on the road. I, I like I like <laughs> Tompkins' idea is that, you
1: know, you reverse the Cubs' idea, which is you put their visiting uniforms in the home clubhouse just to mm-hmm. make them feel like they're – put them in a hotel or something, make them feel like they're on the road and see what happens there. Hey, the Tampa Bay Lightning made a move. Adam Ernie, gone. He goes to Detroit. Yeah, he was of one he of their two was-
0: restricted free agents that they had remaining to sign, him and Braden Point. So really, this is a salary cap move. Um hmm one, it gives you more money to sign Braden Point, but it also, you know, we were talking about b- beforehand, and he was traded to Steve Eiserman in the Detroit Red Wings, so Eisenman obviously knows Adam Ernie very well. And you asked me before the podcast who got the best end of this deal, and you were saying it sarcastically meaning Detroit, but I really think the best end of the deal is either Carter Verhege, Alexander Volkoff, Mitchell Stevens, or Corey Conacher. Probably one of those four will take his roster spot on next year's team. A young... Corey Conacher is more of a veteran, but the other guys are young guys that are probably going to get a shot at making the Lightning's opening day roster because that spot is open now. So while it's a Great salary cap move for the Lightning yeah. to you know not have to pay Adam Ernie as much, it's also opening an, an opening for a young player to make an impact, which you have to do. And they've
1: had success with the young guys that have come up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but by the same token, can they can they play at the same level as Adam Ernie? I mean, that's going to be the challenge that they're going to have to have to face and try to meet. So. Um, he was a good player, and um, you know he'll be a good player for Detroit as well. And I'm not mm-hmm. surprised that Eiserman, who's very familiar with uh, Julian Breesbaugh's salary cap and, and the Lightning, because he basically is part of it, um, will now you know be able to sort of pick the low hanging fruit when the Lightning goes about the business of trying to make some of those moves uh, to save on the salary cap and to create space for the players that they're trying
0: to develop. And it's a great opportunity for Adam Ernie too, because he'll get more second or third line minutes in Detroit where in right. Tampa he was pretty much limited to a fourth line role. Occasionally he'd be on the third line, but you know, he's going to get more opportunities to make an impact on a higher line potentially if he plays well and and you know, does well in practice and all that. So, it's it's a good opportunity for him as well. So,
1: all right, so I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. So tomorrow we're going to preview the Bucks preseason home opener against the Miami Dolphins on Friday and we'll also get a visit from my former radio partner and former Times columnist Tom Jones, now with the Pointer Institute of media studies. And folks, we know that the electric bills this time of year are out of control. I'm going to give you a tip. Call my friends at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. Uh, they're one of the best solar companies around. If you want to stop some of the, uh, the high electric bills that you're paying right now, call uh, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. If you do this right now and you switch to solar energy, you can have a 30% tax credit through 2019. So call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.